I started the journey of self-work probably 10 years ago, maybe a little more, and uh, stayed with self-work for quite a bit of time. And within the past four or five years, have recently gone into doing more men's work, uh, sitting with men's circles, co-hosting with men's circles. And that's where I met this gentleman we're talking to today, Mr. Ian Wood. Uh, Ian joined a men's circle that Camo and I uh, held over the summertime. And, uh, you know, those people that you meet and immediately just know that they're supposed to be in your life in some kind of capacity. Uh, that was Ian for me. Uh, so today in our con in our conversation, uh, Ian and I are going to talk about the men's work that he's been doing since he was a child, um, how that's parlayed into his uh, grown men's work and what he's now doing with women's work, men's work, co-ed work trying to help humanity. Uh, beautiful conversation. Talk a lot about archetypes, um, imbalances, balances, how to get balanced if you're imbalanced. What are some of the modalities there? So uh, really great conversation, a lot of good content. I hope you enjoy it. We'll see you on the other side. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, today, uh, sitting virtually across from me is one of my uh, good homies that has done a lot of men's work. Um, has uh, the way we introduced each other was actually through a men's group. Um, my friend Cam Camo and I, actually a mutual friend of ours that um, that I've had on the show a couple times. Uh, we did a, a men's group in the summertime once we could finally meet with people again, and uh, one of our really good friends, Jaron, um, came and brought you and his brother. And that was my first time meeting you. And I can just say, you know, there's people that have like an aura, like a presence when they step into a room. And, uh, and you were one of those people, man, as soon as you walked in, it, it was just like this commanding, like, Oh dude, how do I not know this guy yet? Like, he just looks like right up my alley. He looks like a homie, looks like a brother and looks like we could just share space eternally. And, uh, and so I'm so happy to get to know you, Ian. Um, so a little bit about Ian before we get rolling. Um, Ian is involved with the Mankind Project. Um, you've, been doing, you've been doing work on, on yourself. We can call it men's work. But you started this work as a child, right? You were, you've been doing this for a while. Um, that's parlayed into working uh, and holding weekend retreats. Um, you're a coach, you're a teacher, an established writer. You've been, uh, you've been published. You're in, uh, your stories are in three different languages and five different countries, which as a, an, as a budding want-to-be writer myself, not having written anything of being published yet, like that is such a cool accolade, man. Uh, so, dude, thanks, thanks for, uh, for carving time out and, and being here with us and sharing some of your journey, brother. Oh man, thank you, thank you so much. That was such a a heartwarming intro to, to to hear those words, and I felt very similarly meeting you and Camo in your home. It was it was such a beautiful experience. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful that we connected through the path of men's work, and and I'm excited to be here today, just to dive in and go deeper to what I think is one of the most uh, important topics of our time, for sure. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, for me, I, it, this wasn't something that was introduced to me. Um, I wasn't ready for this information or this type of work until, uh, you know, my personal journey started about probably 10 years ago, 12 years ago, but the journey into the understanding of the benefits of men's, men's work, uh, was maybe within the past three to five years, I'd say. 
So when you and I met, I was still very new into um, holding space for men's circles, and and I wasn't even the holder of space. I was I was helping Cam do that, um, but you know, so this work is still really new to me. But I see so much benefit in the work so far, um, and I've only been doing it for a few years, so I can only imagine the the amount of uh, of help and the amount of support that this has offered you in the many years you've been working with this. Um, so how did you get started into men's work? Was this something that you chose to, to venture into or was this more of like a, Hey, you're coming with me. <laughs> Definitely a, Hey, you're coming with me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> was that your, your, your father or a male figure in your life that took you towards that, that path? Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, it's so interesting and, and it's such a beautiful thread that weaves because it was from my father and it was from my father's struggles. Hmm. My father, my father had a lot of struggles from the trauma in his life and the, uh, the mental and emotional ripples of that. So when he was raising me, you know, him and my mom separated when I was young he was finding his way, really struggling. He went to an alcohol and chemical dependency counselor program or something like that. Okay. And heard about these groups of men getting together. All these groups of men are getting together. They're talking about their feelings. They're talking about what's going on inside of them and their minds. So it, uh, it sparked for him this, this fire, this passion to be involved. My father's a Leo he has the most energy of any human I've ever met when it's, especially when it's excitement. So he just, I'm sure went crazy. I can't fully remember when he, when he first got involved, but I'm sure he just dove in head first blindly. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't very long until he was connected to the mankind project. I don't I know. It was in the late nineties or mid late nineties. So I remember like maybe 12 years old that men started coming to my dad's house. My dad had his own place. He had five acres and they put us an Anipi. They put a sweat lodge on his property. Mm. The Mankind Project is connected to ceremonial practices from the Lakota people. And they had an Anipi on his property. So all these men would come over to go sit in the Anipi and sweat and pray and, uh, and also meet in, in, in groups to just connect, talk about the feelings, talk about what's, what's present, what's real, mm-hmm. do deep shadow work. So yeah, this stuff was around me really young. And at the same, you know, at that kind of same age, my dad was handing me books like, uh, the seven spiritual laws of success, Deepak Chopra, uh, the four agreements, mm-hmm. Eckhart Tolle stuff. This was just, this was my dad's world. So for me, it was, for me, it was, this is my dad's world. That's kind of how that all resonated. It was like, okay, yeah, my dad, he struggles mentally. And uh, uh, this is uh, a means that really supports him. It was kind of having those blinders on as a young kid to being able to connect the dots to the whole, to the Mm -hmm. macro. I was in the, you know, I was in the micro and I couldn't see the macro of it all. Right. So, you know, it being around me so young was powerful and yet I was completely blind to what was in my lap. Mm. I had, 
I had my own, I had my, my soul, my being had its own direction that it needed to go through. So when I became an adult and, and moved away from my dad, I kind of left all that behind. It was, it was, it was still connected. That thread always was weaving. I was always le- reading books about the mind, about emotions, about being humans. That was, it was a something that stayed with me constantly, but it was, I, I was like, I had, my toes in the water with men's work Mm i i everything that i did in that realm was really encouraged by my father i ended up going to the uh, what's now called the nwta which is the new warrior training adventure Mm. this is what the mankind project puts on it's it's their creation of looking at a society where a lot of people you know and we'll talk about men here a lot of men are cultureless or have lost connection to their culture Hmm. and, and this connection to when boys transit, when boys get to a certain time in life, having this ceremonial, this deep experience that is the older men taking the young boys away from mom, away from home, away from the comforts and going, Hey, you know, going through this journey, going through this, going through this adventure that is you come on the other side hey now you're a man we celebrate you you're a man in this community so i went to that experience when i was 21 with my father one of my best friends super powerful experience really really uh really amazing yeah and once again i kind of had to sink back into my own creating my own suffering creating my own path doing my own things I, it would, it would be years later in my late twenties, mid twenties, late twenties that I started to, it's really interesting because my path that led me back to men's work and and work and and with humans was how much I love the environment. Hmm. I started to care so much about the environment and be so connected to the environment, activism, using my platform to write and make documentaries, all my, you know, my snowboarding writing pieces were about traveling and environmental consciousness. And, you know, I didn't really like people for a while. I was like, man, people suck. Like they're, I'm just going to be in the mountains and be in nature (laughs) really focused on activism. But I eventually, I eventually saw the bright light that was, ah, I'm expecting human beings to care about nature and they're so hurt and harmed and, and don't have the wisdom or the teachings that they don't, they don't have the care for themselves. How do I expect someone that's, uh, you know, in so much pain and trauma to care about the trash that they're, you know, putting out into the ecosystem or, you know, the, the cigarette butt in the water or whatever it is when, they're poisoning themselves, whether it's through what they're consuming in their mouth, their ears, their eyes, whatever. So that realization really hit me when I, in connection to caring about the environment. And I, and I really just had this pivotal point where I said to myself, okay, I've really enjoyed my path so far. So blessed snow, you know, all this snowboarding, all this play has been so amazing, but I'm ready for something new. I'm ready to really dive in. And that's when I, and that's when I really committed myself to, to men's work and dove really into the mankind project, all the leadership trainings they have, uh, staffing the weekend retreats, 
interacting with these beautiful men. I got to, you know, I got to spend time uh, on the Pine Ridge Reservation, learning from the Lakota people, all the Chief Dallas, his, his wife, Becky, all these beautiful experience, beautiful experiences that when I decided to dive in, were all there waiting for me. And that's when I really, uh, really saw the power, the strength, the beauty of, of men's work as I finally made a choice that it wasn't led from my father being there. I was actually there because I saw it, because I felt it, mm. because I wanted to be there and, and, and have that be a part of my life. So that's really when I, when I dove in and, and, and definitely why I'm here sitting in front of you today. Well, that yeah, makes a lot of sense. You know, it's, it's one thing to be, um, you know, introduced into something as like, you know, like you were saying, like at the, at the beginning, you didn't really have an option. It was like, dad dad's like, Hey, come on, you're coming with me. <clears throat> and, um, but you know, eventually that work chooses to be your work, right? You choose that work to be your work instead of it being forced on you. And I think that's a, that's a lot with, with, um, a lot of the programs that we have out right now, whether it's a, like an AA program or a men's work program or women's work program, whatever kind it is, if it's something that's forced on you, it's so different than it's something when you've chosen to do it. It lands differently in the body. You accept the information differently. Um, you know, there, there's a whole nother layer that kind of opens up when it's your choice instead of you're feeling forced to. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I have, I have two young daughters. My daughters are uh, 13 and 17. And, um, and I've, you know, I've, I've started my work about 10 years ago, like I said earlier, but I've, you know, I've tiptoed around introducing this type of life and this type of work to my daughters, um, for that same reason, kind of what we just talked about. Like, I didn't, I don't want my daughters to feel like they're forced into this stuff. I want them to have the information and then make the choice when they're ready for it. Um, now that doesn't mean that as they get older, I'm not, not that I'm pushing, but I'm, I'm now introducing more information to them because I know their mental capacity is able to handle this stuff. And, um, you know, Monica does women's circles on a regular basis with us, uh, with, with, uh, women's groups up here. Um, we have a lot of spiritual practices that we hold as just spiritual humans, not necessarily tying it to a men's or women's work, <laughs> you know? So a lot of that stuff we're, we're slowly kind of inter introducing into our kids just to see how they like it, you know? And, and I, and a lot of times they're like, this is great. Love this. And then a lot of times my kids look at me like a confused dog. Like what, what did you just say? Like what, what word did you just use that you expect me to know? Right. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of fun to watch them uh, develop their, desire or lack thereof to follow this kind of work. But I also realize that, you know, a lot of people, they don't find this work until they're in their thirties or so, you know, our teenage years are a lot of exploration. Our twenties, we think we know everything in the world. Our thirties, we realize we don't know shit and we try to integrate the stuff we do know. And that's when we start to realize, oh shit, I'm, I'm a messed up human being. I need to do some work on myself. And then forties and fifties is where we start to step into that knowledge and to embrace that knowledge and to put that knowledge to work. So a lot of us, you know, we don't find this work until we're in our thirties or so. So man, just for you finding this at a young age, even if it wasn't your choice, like I said earlier, like I can see the effect that it has on you talking to you, seeing and hearing the vocabulary you use, seeing the patience that you have as a human being to let the other person speak. Um, you know, just like there's this, there's this layer of knowledge that I can feel that you have in this, this understanding of life. And that's, that's such a beautiful thing. Um, there's a couple more things I want to touch on that you, that you mentioned. Um, 
it, it one of his is rites of passage and i'm i've i've done a lot of research in the past probably five years about you know what rites of passages used to look like for indigenous cultures for um for our western cultures when we still did have some kinds of rites of passage until everything's kind of just dissolved and i do feel like there's a big a uh, big gap in that preparedness to step out into the world on your own and what those rites of passage might even look like for now, you know, for what our people are now, the situations and societies that we have now, you know, like, um, you know, some of the rites of passages in the past uh, with indigenous cultures are you reach a certain age, then you go have a vision quest, right? So here's, you, you're going to go out into the woods, here's a bunch of uh, psychedelic mushrooms or some peyote, or maybe you're just going to fast for two weeks and see what the, the visions give you, you know, and, and through that, you find out a lot about yourself as a human being, what you're able to uh, control, what you're able to uh, put yourself in front of, and, and you find that power that's inside of you. Uh, and I think that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of missteps now because we don't have rites of passages. We don't have like, Hey, you're prepared to be a human now. It's like, I can speak for myself. I was probably 40 years old. I'm 41 now. I'm 40 years old. When I finally realized that there was a child driving this adult meat suit, right? I had no idea that there's been this small little insignificant, not insignificant. I shouldn't say immature mm -hmm. about that immature little child making all the major decisions for this human being for this adult until I found that out, I was oblivious. Right. And so once we have those understandings as rites of passages to where we can physically set this child aside and, you know, elect the adult, the team leader, you know, your captain to now take this human adult body and drive it forward now, you know, so I, I love the idea of finding modern rites of passages. You know, what would that look like to us now? Um, do you have, um, in, in, so in your, in your, journeys i mean does that ring a bell with you does that strike a chord as far as like maybe setting up some kind of rites of passages for our current humanity men women whatever you identify as is your sexuality or as your human humanness yeah yeah and it's really it really is growing it really is growing it really is expanding one of the the things to me that i can look back and see and kind of expand out into the more of a view of larger numbers of people is like you said, realizing that the child is, is driving the bus. I believe that where we are at as a vast majority, especially in, in the societies like us and stuff is it's mostly children. Hmm. Their, their mind their emotional level is childlike. And I don't say that. I'm not saying that in any degrading tone or anything. It's just like they're, they're the, the wisdom, the intelligence, the, the lessons is not being passed down. So how would we, ex, you know, how would we expect them to move from children to adults when that's not being presented? Right. And a rite of passage I see is really powerful because there's a distinct dot in a timeline that says before this, you were a child. Now you are an adult. Right. Now you are a man. Now you are a woman, whatever the identity is. Mm -hmm. Now you, you are not a child anymore. So I can have in my timeline, check in to the habits, the beliefs, the things that happened when I was a child. 
and I can check in with the lessons, the teachings, the stuff that happened when I was adult. Mm. There's a distinct change in my mind, in my system energetically that I think just in itself is super powerful. Right, Even yeah. if it was all that it was, was that blip that differentiates the two. I can check in with my inner child and distinctly know what that timeline is instead of just like, you know, there's a lot of talk around inner child work, but it's, if you've never been, if you've never had a rites of passage into being a, an adult, that, that, that label of inner child, that label is very gray. Mm. It's not distinct. And on top of it, just the, the, the energetic experience that is embedded in our psyche, in our being that is now you are an adult. Now you are a man, woman, you're an adult. That, that differentiating of the two. And I think that it's extremely valuable and it would be hard to quantify, but I think a, lar a large quantity of issues are happening because the loss of these kinds of rites of passage and it's so easy to see the emotional intelligence in general of, of the world. And especially these societies that are kind of ruling the, the market and the consumerism is it's very childlike. It's right. very much uh, lacking wisdom and, and connection to self in an adult manner. So mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's, <laughs> the loss of these rituals are is massive and i don't you know i those are the words that i'll use to express that <laughs> right you know and that 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 strikes a lot of chords with me and uh you know i can i can honestly say that i've seen the lack of rites of passage and the the non understanding of people holding on to their immaturity with with unconscious unconscious resolve they don't even realize they're white knuckling their immaturity but when you when you have a conversation with somebody, I mean, that's the, the easiest way to figure this out right now, right? If you have a conversation with somebody, especially in, in today's climate, there's going to be probably something you disagree about, right? There's so many options for disagreement. It's political disagreement, mask or no mask, vax or no vax. And I'm not saying one way or the other, but I'm just saying there's so many polarities and opportunities for that disagreement and that divisiveness that – when you have a conversation with somebody and for whatever reason you disagree with that person and that person immediately gets upset with you because now that you don't agree with them, they think that you are against them and that now you're upset with them. And now that you are now that you don't have an agreement, you're different. And, and that is such, and I'm sorry, but that's such an immature stance to have as a human being. And I'm not saying it immature to, to attack anybody, right. but that's showing right. the lack of maturity that our humanity right. has stepped into. You can have very, very strong disagreements with people and still love them and still understand where they're coming from and where their thought processes come from. You can vehemently disagree with somebody, but still hug them and love them, right? There's a separation between that. But if you can't see that separation, if you're only caught in the emotion of the actual incident, that is not a way to live, right? That's a really, really stress and anxiety and depressed induced way to live because then everybody's against you. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing for your consciousness to, to not interpret correctly. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that adds to a lot of that, the, the perceived immaturity that we have as a humanity right now. 
Totally. And to uh, your, you know, to your comment earlier, how, you know, people suck. And, and I, I've, so I remember the first time that I, that I consciously thought that as a, as a, as a broad bro stroke for humanity, I read the book, uh, Walden about 10 years ago, you know, Henry David Thoreau <clears throat> and, uh, in Walden, you know, the basis is, you know, this guy that basically has had, had enough with humanity and decides to homestead in Alaska. And so he goes and he buys this chunk of property in Alaska that his closest neighbors are, I think, two miles away on either side. He's very much alone. He's got a small, very, very small cabin with two chairs, one for himself and one on the off chance that somebody comes by. Right. And outside of that, he is on his own and he loves his life because nobody can mess with his energy except for him, which, you know, at the time I'm like, dude, that sounds awesome. I'd love to live by myself, not have to worry about anybody's bullshit but me. But, you know, the flip side of that, as I kept reading and, you know, marinated on that book and, and, you know, just ruminated about life. We need to put ourselves back into humanity to see what our triggers are to continue the work on ourselves and to continue that offering the work that we've done to humanity. It's so easy to, to what, what I call now, Walden yourself off and go live in the middle of nowhere and just worry about you. But when you have humanity in front of you, humanity is you. But it's the, the, the you that you need to work on. And that's why it triggers us so much is because it shows that mirror of all the shit that we need to work on that we haven't done yet. And so as triggering as humanity is and as much as people can suck, those people need you as much as you need them to, to, to show you what you need to work on and to prove that work can be done. Right. Mm. There's like this beautiful give and take with that, you know, and it's not saying that the person doing the work is the person that should be idolized. But, you know, the person doing the work is very aware of work being done. And so when the triggers happen, people doing work can understand that, oh, my God, that was a trigger. That's something I need to put on my list to work on. Not just like I'm in a knee jerk reaction and yell at this person for not agreeing with me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think there's there's a lot to be said with that reintroduction of our work that we've done on ourselves back into humanity to embrace those triggers that come in, because that's going to show us how how much work we still need to do. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful share. And in, in what really comes up for me when you were starting to talk, it came up. And then at the at the end is this is the this is the perfect place to look at maturity. Mm. How do I handle a trigger? Yeah. How do I handle a trigger? Do I act like a child and have a temper tantrum? Do I, do I yell at the other? Do I separate myself from them? Do I make them an enemy? Do I shout? Do I try to harm them with my words or with actions? Like a trigger is a perfect place to look at maturity. Mm. Do I have a temper tantrum when something happens that I don't like? I think it's, uh, and, and I think that that's what we see in the world is nobody can handle the smallest trigger. And it's like this, this response that is, I'm going to attempt to change the entire outside world, not to trigger my triggers <laughs> instead of being with what comes up for me signaled from the outside side world. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that's, that, but that's a hard thing for people to look at is I'm part of the problem. 
Because originally, I mean, not originally, but you know, a lot of a lot of times, I can speak for myself. I was never the problem. It was always somebody else. Why did you just yell at me? Why did you just make me upset? Why did you just do the thing that now I have to ruminate about or do whatever? Right? You know, it was never somebody. It was always somebody else. It was never me. But you know, as I started to realize and do the work, I realized it. It is me. You know, I'm the one that's triggered. I'm the one that is upset by whatever thing that you have done. It's not that you did that thing to upset me, but I'm just upset by it. And when I can step back and take a step back and realize that I'm part of the reason why I'm upset, if not the full reason why I'm upset, then, I mean, I'm the one that can control me. I can't control your, you, your thoughts, your emotions, but I can, can, I can understand how I'm going to present myself to the reactiveness or the proactiveness of what you've just done, said, or whatever it is. Right. And so it gives you that, that ownership of, of your emotions, right? Nobody's in charge of your emotions, but you, that's you, right? How are you going to respond to whatever has been given to you? Right. And so, you know, it's that it's almost like building the confidence that you need to understand that you are the healer that you've always sought, right? Mm -hmm. It's not somebody else. I'm not your healer. You're your healer. You know, people will help you on your path, but it's all up to you. Yeah. And I want to, you know, and I want to come clean and say that I, for the longest time was the king of temper tantrums in response to trigger <laughs> and they still happen. So when I'm saying this, I'm not sitting in my almighty chair pointing down at everyone and saying, Hey, when you have a trigger and you act immature, like that's showing you where you are. Uh -huh. I'm so much so speaking to myself still because those, those little kid temper tantrums still exist in me. So, right. It's just that we're now more aware of it. You know, we're, we're aware that the tantrum is happening and we're aware that there's still work that needs to be done instead of just the acceptance that the tantrum is just part of the process. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, I, yeah. and I thank you for, for making that, that statement because, you know, one of the things that, that really kind of uh, I thought a lot about when I started my healing journey was what happens when I'm healed, right? What happens when I'm done? When, when is my journey done? You know, and it's, I don't, I don't think about that anymore. I don't feel like there is a point where I'm going to be like healed, done walking away, <laughs> bitches. I'm fucking good. Right? No, there's like, there's always something to work towards and there's always something to work on, you know, and help somebody with whether it's yourself, whether it's somebody else, but that the person walking the path doesn't mean they're just, they've, they've, they've won the game. They're just, they're just aware that there's work need to be done. Right. That's all. There's, there's work to be done. They're real, willing to do the work as hard as it might be, as challenging, as fearful as it might be, but they just understand there's work to be done. That's, that's the main difference, right? There's yeah. a consciousness about it now. And I'll say this, this is the beauty of what I've found in, in sitting of circle, sitting in circles of men. Also, you know, I've sat in circles of, with, with all genders, but it's, it's, sitting in you know since we're talking about men's work sitting in circles with men this is the beauty of and why i continue to show up to sit in circle is that that is part of the play this is the play the play is all of this mm. all of this is what we came here to experience within this framework of reality is all these different forms of stimulation that I have stories around being good or bad and, and stimulate a trigger in me or whatever. This is the play. And I get to sit down and it's getting to the point where I get to sit down with other men 
And my anger, my sadness, my grief is as playful as my silliness, my happiness, my joy. It's all an expression of what is true inside of me at that moment that I'm there. That becomes the play. How true can I be to the depth of my feeling in that moment? Mm. Oh, I love that, man. That's beautiful. And that, that brings the honesty to it. You know, that brings that, that, that full spectrum honesty to it. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Well, with, um, you know, with, with masculine energy, you know, we, there's, there's a lot of really good examples of toxic masculinity. Um, you know, if we look at archetypes, you know, there's, uh, there's the warriors, there's the, you know, but we see a lot of say the toxic warrior, the toxic King, you know? Um, and I think that's one of the main reasons why a lot of men's work is really important to do because there are balanced masculine energies that are very beautiful and very loving, but it's the balance that happens. Um, it doesn't say that there aren't balanced leaders out there that are showing positive divine masculine masculinity, but it just seems to be that, the, the, the broad brush stroke example that we see, whether it's political leaders or tech giant leaders, they're these very toxic male energies. At least that's what's being portrayed by the media or by, you know, whatever spin that we look at, um, mm. you know, and it's, and it's kind of hard, you know, cause a lot of times we don't realize, we don't realize mm. that, that, you know, for example, like Donald Trump is a role model for a lot of people because of the way that he holds himself and the way that he seems to be that no nonsense, get shit done, fucking bureaucrat kind of guy. But that's, I mean, but what he is exampling is the extreme amount of toxic masculinity that is available to us. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it sucks because it's showing that that toxic masculinity in some kind of ways, in some kind of eyes seems like it works. Right. And I air quote works. Right. Mm. Um, now I'm not justifying this person, but I'm, I'm not demonizing. I'm just using it as an example of what that toxicness can look like. Um, mm. But that's a that's a that's an example of like brazen toxicness. There's also like underlying toxicness. There's people that kind of hide the toxicity of what they are because they understand mm -hmm. there's a game to be played. Right. And so yeah. with that, you know, with that understanding, the uh, some of the, the goals or not goals, maybe the focuses that we have in these men's groups is to highlight some of the positive masculinities mm -hmm. and and bring in some of the divine femininities into our lives mm -hmm. as well to help find that balance. Mm -hmm. um, so with the groups that, that you work with and that you either uh, attend or hold, is that is does that seem to be something that you guys focus on as far as the balancing of male energies or is it a lot of it is the 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 false stereotypes that we feel like we're forced to live towards? So do you feel like uh, with with your groups, are you working towards you know balancing those type of ideas or those kind of concepts that come up on a regular basis? I got a I got a mouthful full ready in in response to this because I see so many beautiful threads weaving here. Yeah. First of all, I think that. The word toxic is a bit gray. Mm. It's not accurate. It's lacking detail mm. that actually what we're looking at is imbalances. Toxic is a very uh, interesting label because, you know, think of something that's toxic. It's just toxic. You can't do anything about it, you know, it being toxic. It's Toxic is very powerful, yeah. but what we're really seeing here is imbalances 
and, and it's a beautiful tie to the archetypes and immaturity and maturity because once again, in the, in the mankind project, we have, they, they really focus on the four archetypes of the king, the warrior, the magician, the lover. These are our, you know, the archetypes that, uh, that, I judge as most easy to find in each of us as men. There's lots of different archetypes. I think these four are a great pillar for us to stay connected to. And there's a great book, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, for anyone that, that wants to go down that road. It's a great book. And they talk about the immature and the mature, hmm. the immature and the mature of each of these archetypes and how in the immature and in the mature, there's bipolar shadows. And this is what we're talking about with toxic men. We're looking at the bipolar shadows of these different archetypes. It's not, you know, and once again, the, that word toxic masculinity is, is once again, I think missing so much because what that really is, is a man that wasn't supported properly. Hmm. A man that wasn't nurtured a man that wasn't cared for or passed the wisdom or the teachings that he needed. So labeling, you know, pointing at them and labeling them as, as toxic. Like I understand the point of it, but it's like, if we can move to a place of, Oh, I can see the, I can feel or see or hear the imbalances in that man. Hmm. For me, even, you know, referencing that in my system right now, it feels so differently. I can look at someone that I, that I don't like, that I judge as the toxic masculine. And when I switch that to, wow, I can really feel the imbalances in that man. Right. It's completely different. It's, there's potential to change. And I can have compassion of like, yeah, you know, they probably didn't have a healthy male figure in their life. That makes sense that they'd have imbalances hmm. and, and be lost in the shadow our, you know, the bipolar shadows of each of these archetypes. Yeah. So when, yeah, when I, when I sit with other men and, 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 and there's a lot of different frameworks, but the, the, the one that I know the most about is, is directly related to these four archetypes. We, we visit these four archetypes every time we sit down and there's different, there's different there's different themes, there's different feelings, there's different gateways to all these archetypes. And that's kind of the thread for each time we sit down is, is getting in touch with the lover, which is emotions, which is feelings, that sensitive side of self, that younger side of self. Hmm. We get in touch with the warrior that is the anger, that is the, the setting boundaries, that is the action, that is caring for others and doing things, putting energy out into the world. The magician thought, fear, analyzing logic. And this is when we go into deeper shadow work because we're using our mind to judge and have opinions and use our tools with our mind. Oh, this guy could use this facilitation. Oh, this guy could use this process. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, going into that magician, the king. Oh, okay. Let me find the king in myself and let me bless myself. Let me bless others. Let me let me bless whoever it is and feel this energy of looking at the kingdom and, and having this energy uh, of caring for it and, and wanting the best for it. Yeah. 
So we, we follow those archetypes and, and, and in my own path and in my own path, what's most powerful about all of this is when it stops being just mental words that are said and regurgitated because that's how it has to be started out. But I'm feeling them inside of myself. I'm attuned to what that feels like in my body. I can be like, Oh, Oh man, I'm all fired up. Someone crossed this boundary. I need to do something. I know what that feels like in my system. And I know that I'm connected to that warrior archetype. Mm. Oh, wow. My gosh, my daughter's running up and showing me this art. Let me really just be attuned to my lover and meet her in this special place of emotions and connection. This is a practice. Mm. This is a practice when we live in a world that is so mind dominant and not connected to how that feels in our system, but just an opinion about it, a story, a label, a belief, let me have a conversation about it, but not how does this feel inside of me? And and how do I know when I'm embodying this aspect of self? So Hmm. that's where I really see the importance of these archetypes in, in circles like this. Yeah. And thank you. Uh, thank you for reframing that for me, man. I, uh, you know, it, there's times where we use uh, vocabulary that is incorrect and we don't realize it just because it's what's, what's been presented to me. And that toxic word is, is just a word that, that, that I've heard a lot for the imbalance that you, that you said. And, you know, it's funny because I, you know, never realized how, toxic that word is right so when 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 you said that you know it's like with toxic waste for example we we just put toxic waste into a place that because we know it can't be fixed right so we just bury toxic waste or we we send it into the ocean or something you know we're not not condoning that by any means but (laughs) but we we don't try to purify the toxicity we just we just label it as toxic and be like ah fuck we're screwed get that out of here you know so thank you for giving me that different vocabulary because the imbalance when we hear imbalance then we know that we can find balance you know Mm -hmm. we've all been on teeter-totters in our lives or we've all had some kind of like fun balancing game that you know, when you're out of balance, you put a little more weight to the other side and you find your balance, right? So we know that balance is achievable where mm-hmm. we don't know that toxicity is undoable, right? If we're mm-hmm. toxic, we're just, we're just toxic. Now we're, we're now we're Ninja Turtles, right? How are we going to get back from being a Ninja Turtle, right? So, <laughs> but I, so thank you for that. Yeah. The, uh, the bipolar, uh, shadow is another, another, uh, another chunk of words that I really appreciate you introducing me to, because again, like bipolarness we know that we, we know that vocabulary where we know that, that term. And so, you know, we know how to do work around bipolarness, you know, whether it's a medicine to do or a work to, to, to action, but we know that there's, there's a, uh, an attempt to cure or to write an imbalance of a bipolarness. And so again, like just giving that, giving vocabulary words that are, that are, that are used to that, that we can fix with, not just words that we throw away, like toxic, you know, like toxic is just like, you're screwed, get out of here. You know, these things, bipolar, these things, uh, you know, imbalance, we can find balance. So thank you for, 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 uh, for introducing those to me. Um, yeah, man, I, you know, and that's, again, one of the reasons I love talking to you, you just, you have this way of framing things that, you know, we don't realize we're, we're talking it, whether negatively about ourselves or about somebody else until somebody reframes it for us. Uh And just like our conversation earlier, you know, I could have, I could have seen that as, you know, my damaged ego could have been like, well, I didn't mean it like that, you know, and could have been like backpedal, backpedal, ego, ego, ego. But I see you and I feel you. And I know that whatever you're saying comes from a place of love and trust and, 
and, and you know just the the wholesomeness of the world and so yeah. i'm able to just accept that understanding and change my thought process instead of like holding on to like no i'm going to use the word toxic right <laughs> and you know, once again like i'll i'll bring in that you know and and thank you is the beauty of experience in i've never i've never really said that out loud before mm. so you I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to you or any listener about the word toxic. Right. I'm just, I'm in a discovery right now with you. And that was probably the, the, the most I've ever really talked about that out loud. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's our discovery together. So I'm thankful for it as well to really correct that. I love when I can find words that I realize no longer, I no longer want to cast that spell anymore. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing it a lot lately with should, just catching the most minute shoulds. And now I think I'm putting this word toxic in there with it of let me catch when I'm, when I'm, when I use that, mm -hmm. that I no longer believe rings true or it isn't direct enough. And let me put in a new one. Yes. Should is one of those words for me too. I had a, I had a friend, um, uh... Gosh, within the past six months, start telling me on a regular basis, stop shooting all over yourself. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that's, I love that. appreciate that. You know, should do this, could have done that. <laughs> no, man, I'm right here. I'm doing what I do. You know, we're, we're on this path. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, so with your, with your work, do you mainly work in men's groups, uh, different ages of men's or, or do you involve, uh, women's different genders, different identifiers within groups that you work with? Not that you're saying you like, not that I'm saying that you only yeah. accept one type of person, yeah, yeah. but are, is the work that you're doing starting to expand more? I think there's a, another beautiful story in there that I, w I went deep in, in with the Mankind Project. I had this really strong intuition come to me that I was going to work a lot with the feminine, with women. Mm. I had this feeling when I was really deep working with mankind project i was just it just came to me there was no data or anything so i started to go in the direction on my own of sitting in circle with my father and his wife at the time i, I sat with them in circle to sit with men and women and bring both energies together in this same place that a lot of these things are different, you know, between the energies, but we can come together and really, really talk the same language and, and support one another in a very similar way. So I very heavily headed in the direction of, okay, I'm not sitting with just men anymore. My path took me really strongly that way. And once again, I think that the divine is sending me some clues is calling for me i came down here to mexico over a year ago mm -hmm. where i had been asked i first came here three years ago and there were some men down here that had caught wind that i had a past with men's work and so i started helping them organize a circle here in todos santos in southern baja when i came a year ago it just happened i was in you know this place has this to me has a really strong feminine energy. Okay. 
And there's really powerful women here doing really powerful things. I just, I see them with this, just, I don't know. It's just, it's beautiful to see the strength of the feminine down here. But I saw, uh, I felt and, and saw what seemed like a lack of that for the masculine. Mm. It wasn't something, it was just an opportunity. I moved here, it presented itself. Men wanted to sit in a circle. I have this history of, of sitting with men. So I just brought that framework here to Toto Santos and we, we started a circle with uh, some other men. That's been going on, you know, on and off for a year now. Hmm, beautiful. And I really am being called and pulled back into the importance of this. And I'll try to articulate this clearly that what I, what I feel, what I see is that the world has been dominated by what I would label as imbalanced masculine for a long time. Right. Because it became a technological, physical fight of brute force and the logical mind and like kind of this, this fighting energy that is so easily to connect to the imbalanced masculine. Right. So what's really coming up for me is is how important this is because with it being what i would call the dominant energy of our time and i use that word dominant very (laughs) purposefully right yeah as we're coming back into a balance of masculine and feminine being representative equally well I can feel the importance of working with the masculine when it's the dominant energy. And I can feel even in myself, I have to work through where is the colonizer in me? Where is the patriarchy in me? And I believe this is a truth for no matter what your gender is or however you identify is that we've all grown up in a world that in the collective consciousness is highly dominated by imbalanced masculine. Yeah. So I see the importance of really diving in as deep as I can in myself and, 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 and in containers of other people that this is extremely important to work with the masculine because it has been so imbalanced on a, you know, on a large scale for, for some time now. Right. And that it's, uh, it's something that has to be, you know, I, I, I visualize Neo going into the agent, like when he dives uh, straight into him, it's uh, like, we have to dive in straight into the map. Not we have to, we have the opportunity to, and I see it beneficial to dive straight in to the masculine and look at all these imbalances and 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 once again i'll I'll bring it in even in such a powerful conversation find the play of finding homeostasis and balance and that feels really powerful for me right now in a group of men i feel it really powerfully no matter the gender but i feel it really powerfully in in the circles of men that have been raised 
looking at a world, especially as a little boy, trying to learn what it's like to be a man and looking at the examples that are all around and going, okay, I'm going to imitate that because that's what a man is. Right. So really sitting down with other men and going into that just feels really potent to me for right, right now at this time. I agree, man. There's, there's so many times that I've sat with men now and that the, the, some of the common themes are, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I can share my emotions. I don't feel like I can experience my emotions. I feel like I have to be the breadwinner. I feel like all these male stereotypes that no one, I, I can't say that. I mean, I'm sure there's certain people that were raised that way. Like their dad sat him down and be like, you know, you're the man of the house and you, you're the breadwinner and all this stuff. I, I can't say I, I was not raised that way. Those are just, those are just stereotypes that have just been carried over into what I expected that my, my male uh, experience needed to be right. So provide for my family, well, establish a family, provide for that family, work my ass off and never know that family. Right. Um, don't take vacations, just continue to work until you die. Right. These are all things that like nobody told me I had to do, but I, that was the life I was living until I finally realized I didn't need to live it. You know, um, are you familiar with, um, Terrence McKenna and his, uh, his, okay. Right. <clears throat> so Terrence McKenna wrote a book a while back called the, uh, um, food of the gods. And, mm. uh, in that book, he talks about, uh, I don't know if it's his theory, uh, or a, a theory he, uh, he adopted and, and, and stood behind, but it's the stoned ape theory, you know, like yeah. when we are hunters and gatherers, you know, the gatherers yeah. are going around and they're like, Oh, there's, you know, there's a mushroom and they eat the mushroom. And then all of a sudden they're transported into New York times square in 2025. And they're like, who the fuck, what the hell? Onk was like totally confused. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so, but one of the things that he, I love the way he talks about this is the societal shift that he saw. Again, I don't know if it's his theory, but one that he talked about in this book, but the societal shift that's seen from going from a matriarchal society where we were plant medicine based into a patriarchal society where we're more fermented medicine based. Right. And so he talked about when we were plant medicine based, like when we were eating mushrooms and we were eating, you know, like the plant medicines of the world, whether we know what we know now or what was known then. <clears throat> these these plant medicines opened up our divine femininity and and balanced that 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 uh, imbalanced masculinity. Almost said toxic, but there you go. Um, nice you know, idea. and uh, and so we with these plant medicines, we found the matriarchal society where we we honored the divine feminine. And through those societies, we lived in these villages that were usually about 100 to 150 people. It was all usually shared shared commonality, right? So everybody was having sex with everybody. So all the kids were everybody's kids. And that was the way it was raised. Everybody always had somebody around them to help raise them. You know, it wasn't, that's not my kid. Get away from me. It's like, Hey child, come over here. You're hungry. Let me hold you and feed you. There was this very loving community. And he draws a conclusion that once we started taking fermented medicine. So once the fruit fell off the vine and sat there and fermented, and then we ate that and got intoxicated by the fermentation of that, the, the rotting food, the, the, the sugars, that's when the masculine started to come up. And that's when all that aggression and that dominance and the domineering kind of nature started to show its head. And that's basically where we've been. That's, you know, alcohol has been legalized for centuries, you know, plant medicines have been demonized for centuries. And a lot of that goes back into the the patriarchal society demonizing plant medicines because they felt the strength and the confidence that these fermented medicines gave the male ego, and that's what they chose to move forward with, you know. 
that stuff like that, it, it blows my mind when I read that. And then that was written in the 60s, and I don't even know when that concept was developed. I could have been before that, you know? Yeah. And that information is just readily out there. And I'm not saying that what Terrence has written was right and that's gospel, go buy it, but that's great information to layer into conversations like archetypes and imbalances and balances. And what are you putting into your body that might be helping or hindering the balance that you do or don't have, you know? Yeah. That was, that was powerful. That was beautiful. Thank you for bringing that. Yeah. And you know, I can speak from personal experience when I, when I finally cut fermented medicines, quit drinking alcohol, basically out of my system, I, I physically changed as a human being. Like I could feel myself um, just shifting and in, 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 in shedding some of that, that imbalance that, that had just been part of my body that I thought was just part of me. And I didn't even realize it was an imbalance and it was something, an outside force that was affecting me until I was able to finally get the strength to shed alcohol from my, from my diet and from my system. And uh, now I still, I still utilize plant medicines and, uh, but I do feel those plant medicines work with me instead of uh, hindering me. But it's still something we have to be conscious of. I'm not just saying go out there and smoke weed all day and you'll be fine, yeah. right? That's yeah. there, There's a way to abuse plant medicines just like there's a way to abuse fermented medicines, right? It's, it's right. being conscious and aware of how whatever you choose to use is working with your system, why you're ingesting this medicine, this uh-huh. whatever it is, and, and having an intention around it. And I think mm-hmm. that intention, the consciousness around anything will change the, the potential imbalance or toxicity of whatever the thing that you're introducing into your being or body is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I love, uh, I love Terrence McKenna. That's a, uh, that's a really uh, interesting one that I kind of find myself going back to quite a bit with the fermented medicines and the plant medicines. Yeah, I really, I want, I'm going to check that out for sure. That, that seems potent. I, the only time I had heard of the stone date theory was on Paul Stamets fantastic fungi movie or whatever. Great documentary. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. There's so many good there. There are a lot of really great docs out there right now about plant medicines and about indigenous cultures, not to pivot or anything, but you know, I've, uh, I've, you know, had COVID two weeks ago and, you know, got laid out for 10 days and spent my time watching the Gaia network and, and all those fun things. And just, you know, really yeah. ingesting a lot of that content. And uh, there's so much good information out there right now about on a regular basis about, you know, the work that you want to do in whatever kind of capacity that might be, or finding out about these different modalities of healing that used to just be kind of like considered woo woo or kind of hush hush. People hear about these things, but never really action them. You can find this stuff on a regular basis now. Right. Right. Yeah. It's beautiful. Hell yeah. Definitely definitely a big part of everything that's happening. The books, the the teachings it's 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 potent right now yeah well with your uh, with your men's groups that you're you're holding and the 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 desire to have co-ed groups you know where is that what does that look like for you in these next few months for you are you um you know you said you've sat with you're sitting with uh, men's groups but are you working towards these co-ed groups that are that are you know potentially on the horizon for you yeah it's 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 I think they're both there. I'm, I'm doing both. I just happen to be right now part of the creation process of the men's group here. Mm. I don't have a creation process right now that is an in-person container for men and women, but I put things on randomly, sporadically here and there. But it's, it's what I really see is 
And it's interesting because my life has swung fully in the other direction. The teachers I work with now are women. Okay. My, my main teachers right now are women. And I sit in containers with hundreds of women with maybe five men in them. Hmm. And so I've like kind of swung the other way in what the, the, the main input of maybe direct information from a teacher is. But it's all this beautiful overlapping and, and it's like the tide going in and out. There's all this, this mix and, and crossover. So for me, I very early on had these, these feelings, these ideas of how it would evolve and how I see it evolving that, you know, people sit in containers for masculine energy, people sit in containers for feminine energy and and then those people come together and 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 share with one another and and really that i see that right now i think that 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 the i see the importance in the the gender connected to the energy Mankind project has, has transgendered men come like this, this is happening. It's, it's, it's global. It's happening. I'm, I'm not a, a, you know, I'm not the one to have the words to explain all that properly, but I see that these containers of people sitting for masculine energy, these containers for people sitting feminine energy, and then them working together is what I see in the future because there are, there are even, humans that identify as women that know masculine energy more than people that identify as men. Right. That's just the truth. Some women are just very masculine right. and vice versa. So what this becomes is this beautiful opportunity for us. We talk about imbalances and I'll bring it a little bit into this masculine and fam- feminine energy dynamic is that as me, I'm very imbalanced masculine. Okay. I'm not saying that in a negative way either. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it just plain as day. I'm very imbalanced masculine. And what that means to me is I'm very, I, I'm, I found myself in, and this is something I worked on very uh, directly is very disconnected from my body and my intuition Hmm. and my emotions and my felt senses, my receptivity, Hmm. all of these things that I learn very powerfully from women. Right. Yeah. And so I become more balanced myself because I have experienced and have nurtured and worked with understanding the feminine energies inside of myself. And oh, wow, now I'm more connected to my body that has all this information for me all the time that I can connect to my logical mind to analyze and utilize that information. Hmm. What a beautiful tool that I've been so imbalanced with because I've been so put in my mind and disconnected from my body because Boys don't feel, be a man, (laughs) Uh be smart, be a computer guy, be a handyman, whatever, all this stuff, Hmm. imbalance. So there's this beautiful, and and same, you know, same with women. 
women are, I mean, the deeper I get into this portal, women are pushed into being so masculine, disconnected from their bodies, in their minds, always thinking like there it's happening on both sides, you know, all sides of gender that everyone has, not everyone, a lot of people have been very much forced into experiencing the world from the masculine energy. Hmm. And this is the, this is the opportunity to balance, you know, and I, and I see it, my journey so clearly for myself is, as I become balanced and I become more connected. And as I learn from others that are very connected to their feminine energy, how to find that in myself, how to empower that in myself, how to grow and nurture that in myself. Wow. I'm becoming this really powerful, more whole human that has, you know, double the amount of tools for this human experience. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, you touched on something that, um, you know, actually a lot of things, a lot of the, the words you just used were, you know, just triggered me a lot, you know, but, um, the, uh, the intuition thing that, you know, that, that one for me, that's something that I'm personally working on right now is my intuition. Uh, I'm reading a book right now, um, called, uh, so, so you're intuitive, I think it's called, um, nice. and, uh, great, great book. I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head, but, but, Basically, you know, it talks a lot about how, you know, we've just been taught to ignore our intuition for a long time, you know, and especially with, uh, with, you know, with, uh, with male imbalance, you know, I grew up in the South and again, you know, I was never really told to ignore my, my intuition, but I was also never taught to embrace it. Like the only embracing of intuition that was, uh, that was, uh, that was a phrase is trust your gut, right? Trust your gut. You hear that a lot as a guy. Trust your gut, man. Trust your gut. But outside of that, like visual intuitiveness, feeling intuitiveness was all taught to, to be feminine. Right. And then in that, you know, as, as a man in the South, you don't want to be seen as feminine. Right. You, you're a strong man. Right. And that's what we're told to be. And so a lot of times we've we've kicked our intuition off to the side and not put any any merit into it. And it's become this atrophied muscle that all of us have. All of us have the ability to be intuitive, but we've just lost that special that gift because we haven't practiced it. You know, and so, you know, being a 40 year old man now and just finally realizing that sometimes the, 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 the feelings that I have or the, the buzzings that I hear, they have messages in them. And this whole time, you know, I've just been ignoring these messages and now I'm trying to, to strengthen that muscle, you know? So, you know, I, that's why I love the idea that you're talking about, about, you know, still having, you know, separate gender or separate group, um, you know, uh, group work, but then bringing those groups together so you can really hear what everybody is saying. And we, you can hear the imbalances that you might not be able to feel from the side that you're not on. Right. You might not even realize that women are forced in a way to become more masculine to keep up with the pace of the world if you've never actually sat down and had that conversation with somebody. And given that perspective and seeing that that side from somebody else might give you like, oh, my God, like I'm going to soften my approach by so much just because of this one phrase this one comment that this person said and vice versa right that person might not realize that you've been forced to ignore your intuition your entire life or that you've never given your your thoughts or emotions any merit because you were never taught that they were that they were worth giving merit to right mm-hmm. and that gives that that just sheds that light as to like oh my god this human is is 
as broken as me, right? We're, we're all in this path together. We're all working on something. And so when we understand that we're all working on something or we're on a path, you know, a little bit of leniency is given of like, oh, I, I see you. I see your work. I see what you've done from the last time I met you. This is great. You're doing good. Maybe it's a misstep, but we're all good, right? I understand you and we're going to help each other together. You know, and I think if, you know, a lot of humanity like that with our conversation earlier about if I don't agree with you, then you're wrong and I'm upset with you, right? That means you're against me. You know, when we can find this, this, this healthier, more mature way of, of processing information and letting it just be that, be the information that comes into us, we process it through our consciousness as pure as we can get it. And then we allow that, that information to be in our body in some kind of way, you know, that I think will give us a little bit more um, compassion, a little more humanity, a little more Karuna for, for our fellow human to know that they're going through shit too. And maybe a lot of times, you know, it's not even a lot of times it's, you know, it's, it's in my opinion, fact, but the triggers that you see within somebody else is really just a reflection of you, right? It's not that person is attacking you. It's just, it's, it's showing you exactly where your work needs to be still, what your focus needs to be still, why you're still, you know, thinking this, this way, this manner of thinking. But, you know, if we don't have those people in front of us and we don't have that sounding board to, to bounce that stuff back on, sometimes we don't even realize it. We're just going to live that life the way we feel it's, it's supposed to be lived. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I think that's the, you know, that connects beautifully to this importance of those, you know, that dynamic that was just spoken about of it's a, it's a journey. It's opening a large door for anyone to step into either, you know, whatever energetic container that is, whether it's masculine or feminine to step into, to either of those containers and itself is a big thing. And, and to be quite honest, I think that that's where we're at. That's the most important step. That's the, the largest step needed on a global scale is, is stepping into these containers, masculine, feminine energy, and, and, and really just, getting to learn about self, getting to know about self and, and how that uh, connects and, and feels in self. It's, it's just wild at this point where, where so many humans are, are at that you know, just emotions alone, emotions alone, you know, that gets really more tied to the feminine energy. Right. But that's one that's easy to go. Men and women have emotions. You can't argue that men right. and women have emotions. You, you don't think a man's has emotions. All right. What is he when he's angry? <laughs> right, exactly, right. <laughs> what is he when he's afraid? Uh-huh. So, and just emotions alone that can be worked on in, in, in any container it's one of the most important tools for the human experience. It's one of the most important tools for the human experience. It is the key tool that is interpretation of life. Hmm. And there, it really is. And why my focus so much so is, is just 
ground level. I care so much just about opening the door. Right. Because there's so many doors in my judgment that are in need of being opened. That someone can sit in a circle and go, oh my gosh, I don't tell anyone this, but I'm really feeling sad right now. I I, I could cry and then maybe crying right. or like, wow, I feel guilt or wow, I feel shame or I feel really happy at right now, actually, or, you know, whatever it is, this ground floor, that's the most potent thing about these circles and, and sitting together is that there's some sort of regular basis of checking in with self and sharing it with another. This is how I feel in this moment. Let me share that transparently with you. And the ripple effect that goes around the circle of intimacy and transparency, this like permission, Hmm. this permission to feel that just ripples around. It's why I love checking in. It's become this play is how real can I be? How real can I be in the way that I show up in this circle and just share something so foundational of this is how I feel, truth, drop it, sadness, grief, whatever it is, just show it transparently. If that's what I did the rest of my life, I would feel my life was just beyond amazingly magical. If all I did was sit in a circle show up transparently, share my emotions and give another man permission to dive deeper into what he truly feels. I think I could do several lifetimes with that being all that I do. That's beautiful. I get, I, and that's, it's such a powerful thing. You know, I've, I've, um, you know, spoken with a lot of men that have been hesitant to sit in circles and, um, you know, they, but the, the fact that they're asking questions shows me, okay, you're going to go, you just, you just gotta, you know, check your boxes first, get your, get your shit ready, you know? And, uh, in, you know, in some of those guys that, you know, okay, I'm going to go, I don't think I'm going to say anything. I just want to observe the cool. Yeah. Do, do you man or whatever, whatever works. Right. And, they maybe be like the third or fourth person in the share circle, right? And I can see it coming down to them, right? The person on their their left shares, and now it's their turn, and I can see the fear in their eye. But then all of a sudden, everything lifts up, and they share for 15 minutes or 10 minutes or something way beyond of, I don't even know if I'm going to say anything. I just want to observe. But it's like you said, like we don't need to give permission. We don't need to receive permission, but sometimes we feel like we don't have the permission. And so when you have these other brothers, sisters, whoever around you open up and crack themselves wide open, that that releases something inside of you and, and gives you almost this quiet confidence to be like, well, shit, man. One, I didn't realize you were going through something similar to me. I thought this was all just me because a lot of times we don't share the stuff that's going on inside of us, you know, with with whoever. But when you when you hear that and when you have that, it's man that that release that can follow that. And even if it's nothing but just that verbal release, that's such a powerful thing in the in the step for for that balance to happen with the with the masculinity. You know, and I and so I, I applaud that just just showing up, you know, so for our listeners that may be on the fence about whatever kind of work, men's work, women's work, self work, show up. Show up and see how it affects you and see what what comes out from that. You never have to do anything you're not comfortable doing, but you you might surprise yourself at the comfort level that you find when you're surrounded by people that are on a similar path as you. 
And I think that that's something that I that that really just hit me when you were talking as an is such an importance in, in what I'd like to focus on myself is how do we make those those open doors more inviting? Hmm. How do we make that open door more inviting? Because there's so much unknown. Hey, you want to go sit in a sacred circle of men? Hey, you want to go sit in a men's circle? What the hell is that? Like, <laughs> what are we going to do? So much unknown there that just triggers fear and, 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 and is shutting down. And that is the beauty is, is that someone can show up. And we say this at every time in a circle is you can pass on everything. Right. You don't have to do anything. You sim- simply sit here and observe and find out. And I think there needs to be more of that information shared mm. and that, that I'm really enjoying having this experience right now because I want to make that, that more clear to, to, to open that door in a way that's not so dark and scary because there's so much unknown, right? Because that is the truth of it is someone can just come sit pass on everything and just observe men doing what they do within a men's circle and 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 decide if they want to come back and participate in it but i think that's a key ingredient how do we make these doors more inviting right well i think you know in a way we're doing that by making them more readily available and making this as you know this this is part of the culture now whereas before like groups were were not something that was a regular basis it was something you had to seek out but now there's there's more of this on a regular basis, and we just talked about our kids. You know, you being exposed at a young age, my daughters, uh, you know, having an understanding of what this is. You know, I think we're we're slowly introducing the idea of this becoming a regular thing and not being something that only if you're broken you need to go get fixed. It's like, well, if you want to be frank, frank, we're all a little broken, so we all need to be fixed, right? It's it's just owning up to the fact that it's your time and you're ready for it. And it's not weird. It's not abnormal. It's, it's going to become part of our journey. I mean, we, I was talking to my kids about this not too long ago, but you know, like I try my hardest not to traumatize my kids, right? Verbally, emotionally, you know, any of that stuff, physically, just, I've been trying to be the best parent I can. But what we also have to understand is like, Trauma resonates in a very interesting way. Like trauma for my child, the biggest trauma they could have would be maybe me not buying them the toy that they wanted at Target and they threw some fucking temper tantrum. That's their trauma. That's not intentionally. I didn't do that on purpose. I'm not sitting there beating my child in Target with the toy they can't have, right? I just said, no, you can't have that toy. I don't have the money for it, right? And now that's trauma that that child's going to have to unravel later on in their life. So I think a lot of us, you know, a lot of us humans, like, one, you know, some of us might blame our parents for the trauma that we've been through, but they were doing the best they could. Right. Dude, I mean, lucky your dad found men's work at, a, at, at your young age and a young age in his life. But a lot of that stuff doesn't enter people's lives until they get a little bit older, the ideas of that. Right. So mm-hmm. I think just the, the fact that there's countless books about this stuff now there's there's podcasts dedicated to men's work group work women's work finding yourself you know all that stuff so i think in a way we're making this now more regular you know some of this mindful stuff is being taught in schools um you know i wish there'd be a little more being taught about somatic healing how we can use our breath meditation visualization to up and down regulate our bodies to help us manage our anxiety and depression on a regular basis you know kind of like rites of passage we were talking about earlier maybe that stuff that we need to add into rites of passage now that we know we know this stuff 
right? Mm. Here's how to be a, an adult. Here's how to breathe through your problems. Here's how to experience your emotions, right? But so, you know, hopefully, you know, to what you were just talking about, hopefully this is the path to making this more regular and to stop letting this be like, oh, guys can't feel their emotions and, and women have to now be like breadwinners or, you know, whatever stereotypes we want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's the, the, the more of those doors that are open, the easier they are to, to walk through. Definitely brother. Definitely. Well, uh, I'd like to wrap this up, man. And, uh, is there anything, any kind of groups that you're working towards? I know you're in Baja right now. Um, we have, uh, just to put this out there, just more of an accountability thing than anything, but me, yourself, Ian, and our mutual friend Camo, are working towards um, a retreat in the near future, hopefully within the next like six to eight months or so. Um, So, you know, I'm putting that on there just so we keep ourselves accountable. Uh, But is there anything that you're working towards personally uh, with groups that you're working towards in Baja, or maybe I know that you do make your your way up to the Northwest every once in a while. Um, What are you working towards? I'm, I'm, I'm mostly online these days. So most of the work I do is online. I, I do one-on-one. I'm doing, I'm creating group containers online. So that's, that's really where my focus is right now is, is what I can do online. So I, my website's ianwood.com and all my stuff's on there. I will be really focusing on this in the near future hmm. to, because what I'm really watch, watching evolve, and I've seen this through the connection to men's work is what what level of depth can be reached across the screen with a microphone? The, the truth is I've been in what I would label maybe the most powerful containers, if not tied to the most powerful containers online compared to in person. Wow. I've really experienced insane depth online. So my focus is, is really that direction right now. The, the retreat planning with you and camo, that's the, the next exciting in-person stuff. And yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about creating this sort of stuff to be accessible to anyone, no matter where they are. So that's my passion right now. Beautiful brother. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for opening the doors, man. You keep talking about these doors that you're opening, but I feel like you're not only opening for yourself, but you're opening up for humanity and, uh, in giving us a path to, uh, to walk with man. And I, and I really deeply appreciate that. Um, you know, as, as somebody that, that is now a, a regular staple in my life and as uh, somebody that, that I know that you're just, you're helping so many people out there. Um, I just, I, I, I love you so much, man. I appreciate all the work you're doing. Um, I see you, I see the, the, the help you're doing, to, you're giving to humanity and, uh, and I continue to offer my help. If there's ever anything I can do to help you on your path or your journey, deeply, deeply appreciate you, man. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Much love to you, brother. I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. That was really fun. And I feel like some things, some new potent things came out. So I'm grateful for the opportunity and, and all that you do. Beautiful brother. All right, man. You have a blessed day, man. We'll talk soon. You too. All right. Thank you so much for spending time with Ian and I. Uh, We'll leave a lot of information in the show notes, how to get in touch with Ian and maybe be a part of some of the circles he's holding. Um, I greatly appreciate you listening. And if you like what we're doing, please subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're listening on, as well as uh, leaving comments. And also just put it out there. I started my website, or I finally launched my website. It's adamrealhealing.com. 
Um, you can go on there and learn about energy work, maybe book a session with myself or listen to the podcast, this podcast, Journey of the Modern Yogi, or the other podcasts that I do, Zen and Not Zen. Please reach out if you need anything. I'm here to help. Love y'all. Obeisance and love.